0: Done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Episode 612 How do I stop myself from losing my shit with my kids? Hi, and welcome to the show, where today I'm going to be discussing and giving you points about how we can stop losing it with our kids, how we can stay in control of ourselves, no matter what they are saying and doing. And it is really hard, but with practice, you can find a better way. Now, I'm not saying here that I sit in my house and never lose my shit with my kids. I do. Those of you that listen to me, you know that I do. I just don't do it very often anymore. 10, 15 years ago, I used to lose it way more than I do now. But you, I, I honestly believe any parenting coach who says they never lose it with their kids is telling a little white lie because it's not possible. We'd have to be the Buddha parent under the tree. And if we were the Buddha parent under the tree, not triggered by anything in life, by anyone, we would not be living with our kids. So put a smile on your face, put your hand on your heart, tell yourself you're doing your best and it is okay to lose it every now and again. Now, after we've lost it, there is a repair process that we can do. And I think I will talk about that In the next episode, so I said this was two parts, but just as I speak now, I am going to add a part three or a separate one, but make sure you hear this one and the next one on what to do after you've lost your shit. So I just thought about that now. So I will continue with how do you stop yourself from saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing? and going down the slippery slope and losing it. My kitty is in the room with me and she has decided to get rather vocal. So if you hear a cat meowing in the background, that's life. That's just the way it is. And she's decided she wants in on the show. So I'm just going to leave her. So last week I talked about, you know, no matter what you do, you lose it. You keep calm for so long and boom, you snap. And we talked more about our kids' behavior and unraveling the behavior because it's usually the unacceptable, inappropriate, antisocial behavior that, trigger, that that sets us off. But in that episode, I did say that the trigger is not actually your kid. The trigger is an emotional experience from your past that is within you, in your memory bank, it's very raw, it's very real. And that experience can be reactivated in another moment of a similar nature that makes you feel the way you did from the past, if that makes sense. Now, I'm going to explain this with using the pandemic and why the trigger isn't always on the inside. We have all lived through the pandemic. The pandemic has affected every single man, woman, and child on this planet. Eight billion people have all been affected by the pandemic. So we have all processed it in different ways. But the emotional experiences that we experienced from the pandemic are now within you. They are locked away in your memory bank and they are there. Think of them as being like dormant volcanoes that could activate any time. Now, the pandemic's passing, thank goodness. And hopefully we will get to a point where it will be a thing of the distant past, but that emotional experience still lies dormant within you because it was a major experience. So let's wind the clock forward five years, ten years, four years, God forbid one year. There's another global pandemic. It is not the new pandemic that triggers you. It is the experience of being in the new one that evokes and brings out and makes that dormant volcano within you active. So the trigger is the emotional experience that you got from the first pandemic that is being triggered within you from the next one you experience. Does that make sense? I hope it does. My cat's trying to make sense of it here. So let's go back to your childhood and let's think about some of the emotional experiences that you will have experienced as a child. And many of us as kids experienced times where we were not seen, not heard, didn't feel understood, didn't feel important, were made to feel that we were not good enough, that we were not worthy and that never felt good and it probably happened repeatedly and so what we did was we took on a role in order to be seen and be heard and be understood and prove that we were worthy and prove that we were matter that we mattered we might have become pleasers we might have been the class clown We might have been the good girl. We might have been the bad boy or the jock or the queen bee, the victim, the martyr. We took on roles in order to be seen. You may have become a very controlling child in order to be seen and heard. You may have been bossy and opinionated and loud in order to be seen and heard. This was a way that we developed, it was a role we took on, a facade we took on to meet our needs. And that role really became becomes, started to define us. And we saw ourselves as we identified with this role. Now, the real child within you was none of this. The real child within you was just this pure, untouched, brilliant, magnificent spirit, as Dr. Shefali would say, throbbing with our own signature. And over time, she always says, Shefali says, our parents happened to us. In other words, the things our parents said and did had a major effect on us and had us change who it is we really were in order to be seen and heard, or who it is we thought they wanted us to be. So those emotional experiences are hardwired within you. And we, we carry that through our lives. All those experiences we take with us. And what happens is, when we have a child of our own, we are suddenly faced with a human being who doesn't listen, doesn't hear us, doesn't see us, doesn't appreciate us, doesn't understand us, doesn't feel like we are good enough, doesn't make us feel like we're good enough, because let's face it, it's hard and they don't come with a manual and sometimes we don't know what to do and it can make us feel not very good enough, not good enough. So can you see that the having this child almost takes you back to when you were a child and you were, didn't feel seen and heard and good enough? It's like, God damn it, I got over all of that from my past. And now you, you little brat, are making me feel like I am not seen, not heard, not valued, not appreciated, and not good enough. So what do we do? We lose it because we can't cope. But the trigger is not the child. The trigger is the emotional experience, the wound, the hole, whatever you wish to call it, The dormant volcano from your childhood that is being reactivated in the moment, every moment, your child doesn't hear you, doesn't see you, doesn't make you feel like you're good enough, that you're worthy, that you matter, or they understand you. Can you see how this plays out? So in order for us to not lose our shit, we have to do some pretty deep inner work. And there are lots and lots of books that are written on this. So a few of them that I, that I really like are Show Up for Yourself by Janet Philbin Roth, who's a dear friend of mine, How to Do the Work by Nicole Lepera, A Radical Awakening by Dr. Shafali Sabari, and The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. Now, you've probably heard me talking about all of them. I've read them all. I've read them all multiple times. I've done many courses to help me reclaim my worth, to help me recognize fully that I am worthy of being seen and heard regardless of how my children behave. So when I feel good enough about myself, fundamentally good enough that I don't doubt myself, that I believe I can actually do anything I set my mind to, and I do believe this, then I'm way less likely to be triggered by my kids because I'm not going to feel like I can't do this. But the hardest thing is the last little bit is to, when I say I can't do it, can I control myself in the face of undesired behaviour or something vicious and obnoxious and stinking that they've said or the way they've treated me? The answer is, for a lot of the time I can because I've done this work. And remember in part one, I said, we have to be able to control ourselves in the moment. Somehow in the moment, we have to recognize this is triggering for me. Do I take a breath? Do I leave the room for a moment if your kids are old enough and it's safe to do so? Do I repeat a mantra to myself? Do I do something to just stay calm and grounded in the moment, to not engage? Don't pick up the rope. Don't dial into the drama. Don't take it personally. All the things I talk about on the show, can I do that in the moment? The only way I can do that in the moment regularly and more often than not is if I prepare for this moment or those moments by doing my work. So for want of a better word, you you have to prove to yourself and convince yourself that you are good enough, that you're worthy of being seen and being heard, that you understand yourself implicitly and that you matter. And, you know, I say convince yourself and prove yourself. The high five habit is looking yourself in the mirror and celebrating yourself and high-fiving yourself in the mirror, no words, because the mere action of lifting your hand in a high five motion triggers a whole chain of of reactions in your brain that are associated with, go for it, you can do it, you've got this, you are good enough. That's what we do when we high-five someone else. We send them that message. So Mel Robbins says, send yourself that message. And if you keep sending yourself that message, you will redo the wiring in your brain because our brains are neuroplastic, they will change. So we can rewire the hardwire of, I doubt myself, I'm not good enough, I'm ashamed of myself, I hate myself, I'm not worthy of being seen or heard, I have nothing good to say, I can totally see why people don't want to hang out with me, you know how we can self-sabotage. That's wired, it's hardwired in your brain. And it's activated every time something happens in your life, that makes you doubt yourself, that you can't control yourself in the face of. So you have to rewire your brain. It takes time. So high five yourself, The High Five Habit, awesome book. Reclaim your worth. Because if you think of yourself as a child, as a baby, you were pure, you were brilliant, you were magnificent, you were coded, you were You were perfect just the way you are nothing has changed that is still within you i can tell you you are good enough you're worthy of being seen and heard that you matter that you're important that you i i can tell you that but you have to believe it so you have to do something to convince yourself of this and thinking of yourself as a, when you were a baby how could you get hard on yourself how could you be tough on yourself and criticize yourself if you see yourself as a baby? No, that baby's still within you. So think of all your accomplishments and your achievements and breathe into that. Write them down. I can assure you there will not be a book long enough because you've all achieved so much in your lives. You've all accomplished so much in your lives. You've done so many things. You've succeeded in so many ways. And if you're sitting, listening, going, no, I haven't, it's all very well for her to say that. No, I'm going to make you get a piece of paper out. I can't make you, but I would like to. Write down something that you're proud of yourself for. What have you done in your past? It might have been you won the egg and spoon race when you were five. Think of all those things. That might seem seem insignificant, but every day you're accomplishing things and achieving things. You maybe made lunch for your kids today. That can go on your list. You maybe did a load of laundry. That can go on your list. You did the grocery shopping. Put that on your list. Don't forget. You got yourself to bed last night and you had eight hours sleep. Maybe you can put that on your list. See all the things you actually can do. How you look after your family, you might be running a full-time job, you might be running a part-time job, you might be a full-time house, uh, a mum, you might play some golf, you might play pickleball. Did you win a pickleball game? Did you play well last week? Put that on your list. We forget about all the amazing things that we do and can do, and we're really hard on ourselves. And here's the cinch, we don't appreciate ourselves for it. So if you don't appreciate yourself, you, yourself, for who you are and what you do, when your kids don't appreciate you, they are mirroring your lack of appreciation for yourself. That's all that's happening. So if you can turn that piece around and actually start appreciating yourself and then setting some boundaries for yourself, That shows you appreciate yourself. And then going for a walk or going for a run or getting on your peloton, that shows that you're appreciating yourself and taking care of yourself. Then when your kids don't say thank you for a meal or don't appreciate you, it doesn't matter because your appreciation cup is fuller than it was before you realized, actually, I can appreciate myself for a lot of the good things I do. So there are lots of things you can do. And I mentioned boundaries. Boundaries are huge in terms of you reclaiming your worth. Boundaries are, cl- are, are linked to worth. Because if you are not good with your boundaries, you are saying you're not worthy of putting boundaries in your life. Not that the other person's overstepping the boundaries. It's got nothing to do with them. You have to hold the boundary and the limit. If they push you, you have to hold it. And if you don't, you feel shit about yourself and then you lose it with the other party and you blame them for the fact they didn't listen to you. No, can you see now how this is you not listening to yourself? You're not setting the boundary in the first place or you try and then you cave and then you feel like a doormat. So you have to be good with your boundaries. And I recently listened to a podcast, my favourite podcast, Feel Better, Live More with Dr Ranga and Chatterjee. He's the British, like the BBC, GP, doctor. And he's their go-to for advice. And he has a podcast called Feel Better, Live More. And he interviews a whole host of of people. They are awesome. I love them. And he interviewed the Kenyan world record marathon holder, the guy who has just run a sub two-hour marathon. And he was asking him, how do you do what you do? And, you know, in a two hour interview, boundaries are very important to this man. And he talks about vitamin N, N as a number, being the most important thing we have to take and do for ourselves on a daily basis. And do you know what the N stood for? No, N-O. He said, you have to learn to say no. No. You have to learn to say no to staying up too late if you want to run your best time tomorrow. You have to say no to so many things. No to lying on the couch in the morning when you have to go out in the rain to run a a, train, a, a race or a, a, a go training. So vitamin N, I love that. So thank you to that remarkable man whose name escapes me. I feel terrible. It's ULID or I can't remember. Fascinating man. Listen to the podcast. Really good. Feel better, live more. So boundaries are really important. You have to look after yourself. You have to look at that list of accomplishments and, and breathe it in. Take it in and go, holy shit, I've done all that. Of course I'm good enough. If I can do that, I can I can face my three-year-old when they are screaming for the blue cup and I gave them the orange. I can face my teenager when they're being obnoxious or they haven't texted you back or they've not brought their dishes in from their room or they're still on their phones and you've asked them 10 times. You can do it. You can cope with that. Look at everything you've done. So this is what you do. You, you over time, you reclaim your worth so that you are less triggerable in the moments with your kids. This is a huge subject that I've tried to put into, I don't know where I am on the time here, 20 minutes or so. And I hope that it's not too confusing. I hope I've been able to deliver it today in a way that maybe resonates with you a bit. It's very complex, very, you know, complicated. But in a nutshell, I think. This is my understanding of it. It is this that has helped me appreciate myself more and realize that when my kids don't listen to me, that's just them not listening. I'm worthy of being heard. So why would I let them not listening to me make me feel like I'm not worthy of being heard? They're just teenagers. They don't listen to very many people other than themselves. Your toddler hasn't learned to listen. They're so present and absorbed and fascinated by everything around them that you're just, you're just a fly, you're a distraction <laughs> at times. So maybe if this intrigues you and you want to go a bit deeper, you could get one of these four books and you could, you could maybe read them. And it will expand on what I've spoken about here. But I, I hope that this has motivated you to believe in yourself, to trust yourself, to doubt yourself less, to appreciate yourself more, to say no. Saying no is not being selfish. It is, it is proving to yourself that you're worthy. That you're not just going to say yes, and you're not just going to cave. You're worth more than that. So, if you have any questions, please, please reach out to me, Louise at parentingpartner dot com. If you have any subjects you would like to hear more about, then reach out to me, Louise at your parentingpartner.com. If you want to work with me, I do all this work with my clients to help them show up less triggerable. You can reach out to me, Louise at your I love hearing from everyone. And if you value this podcast and the advice and support I give you, please head over into the Platform that you tune in on and rate and review the show because it helps the show reach other people who don't know about it. It helps them and supports them. So you, you could share it with your friends, you could share the Instagram um, uh, feed with, with them, you can send them a link to this episode if you think it would help them. Although I think send them the, epi- the link to part one and then they'll get part two. Send them the link. Do them a favor, help them out. And last but not least, thank you to you for regularly tuning in and supporting me and this show. It means the world. I'm at, I think, 1.1, 1.2 million downloads on this show now. So it is really helping a lot of people. And that's what motivates me to give back more because the giving is the receiving for me. In me giving you this is the receiving. It gives me... It fills me up to know that I'm helping so many people around the world. So thanks for tuning in. Next time, I'm going to be talking about how to repair the relationship, what to do when you have lost your shit. You know how to try and stop yourself losing it as much as you do. You know how to stay more calm in the moment. And, and now I'm going to share with you what to do if you have lost your shit. And that one's really good. We all need to know that information. So till next time, thank you again for tuning in and bye for now. That's it for today's episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. My email is louise at parentingpartner.com. And don't forget to take a look at the Parenting in the Thick of It family organizer that I created. It's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start. Bye for now.